This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, 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 business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Today we want to talk about the power of short form video storytelling. Is this like a never ending debate? Seriously, how long should content be? How short should it be? People's attention span is shorter than ever, shorter than a goldfish, whatever it might be. Um, but it's still worth discussing. Should we use short form video? And what is short form video? Um, of course, some of you out there don't at me. We're doing a long podcast about the power of short form video storytelling, a long video podcast. Of course, check it out on Spotify. If you are listening on a podcast app, you can actually watch the video there. So to talk about that topic today, I have on the show Angela Myers. She's a freelance writer and social media manager. So I'm very interested to find out why this topic is important to her and, and what her thoughts are on short form video. Angela, welcome to the show. Give me a fist bump here. Boom. <laughs> Hi, thank you that so is, much for having me on the show. That is actually harder than it sounds, than it looks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so tell us about short form video. Why is that important all of a sudden? Or maybe it's not all of a sudden, but why is that an important topic and how does that look in practice? Yeah, so in the social media world, when people say short form video, they're mostly referring to TikTok or Reels style video. So usually it's vertical, it's less than 30 seconds, though recently it's been shifting a little bit more towards anywhere under a minute. And the idea is really that you're taking a very small amount of information and sharing it. So I don't even think that there's a competition, in my opinion, between long form video and short form video because they serve very different purposes. Things like this are for people who maybe are already invested in your brands like podcasts, um, streaming, YouTube videos. And short form video is kind of a handshake. So it's a way to kind of introduce someone to a small nugget about what your brand's about in hopes that they will hopefully then either follow you on like TikTok or Instagram, or better yet, convert to your email list or to a platform that has more long form content. We always want people to sign up for our email list. I know that for a fact too. Email is not dead, my friends. So if you're saying that, stop it. Um, so it's funny you say TikToks are like a handshake. And I was thinking, I was kind of thinking about that metaphor. I'm thinking, well, maybe maybe it is a handshake, but maybe it's more like a um, passing by high five, you know, like two people walk by and go, and then we give the next person a high five. Um, but it's interesting because um, are they competing or are they not competing? I mean, my opinion seems to be a lot of times everything is competing with everything, right? Like if I'm reading Angela's blog post, I'm not going to have time to read, to, to watch Christoph's TikTok, right? So Where's that fine line between um, you have to compete with everybody, but it's also a new way of interact with people? 
Yeah, so I think I could see how you could see it as being more competitive. And I do think probably there's an argument to be made about our attention spans for watching longer videos is decreasing because of TikTok or real style videos. But when it comes to a new form of content, especially in the social media space, I always like to think of it more as a new opportunity and a new part of an overall marketing funnel and not necessarily something that is competing with other parts of an already existing marketing funnel. So things like TikTok and Reels are very different than YouTube because again, you're hitting your audience at a different phase. Usually it's a little bit more of a, they're just being introduced to your content type of phase. And it's not even like, for example, if I'm watching a YouTube video or listening to a podcast, I most likely searched something to find it. Whereas TikToks and Reels, it could just show up in their home feed, even though they weren't searching for it. So I guess in that way, your uh, metaphor of it being a high five is really a great metaphor there. Uh, but when you look at it that way and kind of shift the perspective towards this is another opportunity to reach my audience in a new and novel way and get them familiar with my brand, I really think it just kind of shifts the focus and it makes it a little bit less scary because I find a lot of my clients are very afraid to dive into the world of short form video content. But when done right, it can be a fun, effective tool to grow your brand. The other thing as you were just talking about that that I thought about is um, sometimes, and I don't know if that's what you were referring to or not, but sometimes I think companies think that if they do content on different channels, it competes with their own content on other channels. And I truly believe that that's hardly ever the case, right? Because I mean, think about Taylor Swift, you know, Taylor Swift does everything, right? I mean, there is Pandora stations, there's Spotify. I mean, there's, you can buy the album, you can, you know, subscribe to her YouTube channel. I mean, whatever, she's everywhere, right? And um, so same concept here, be everywhere, create that content. Why are brands sometimes, I don't know if you use the term afraid or, or what, but, um, you know, why are brands afraid to do short form video? I mean, I do short form video with my daughter about every day, um, not every day, but close to every day. And they're just kind of fun. Right. But I, we always tie it back to podcasting, to live streaming. Um, and we don't really dance usually like um, there's been a couple that got close ish, but it's not like we never do dance. You know, there's no, you know, my money don't jiggle, jiggle, whatever <laughs> folds. We don't do that. So but why are brands so afraid of um, of doing that, of jumping in? Yeah, I do think that there's probably a little bit of misconception around what short form video has to be kind of what you just hit on. But I think even beyond that, sometimes one, whenever there's something new that we have to do that we're unfamiliar with, especially if we're putting ourselves in front of the camera, it can be scary. And some of, for example, my clients that I work with, they're not usually in front of the camera. Whereas with TikTok and Reels, you really want to be in front of the camera and making that connection with the audience. And I think obviously YouTube live streaming is like that too. And I think people still have a little bit of hesitancy around video content in general but to go even further i think tiktok and reels can be even scarier because it does tend to be the short form video content tends to be a little bit more casual so in a youtube video it is very common to just kind of sit down talk to the camera maybe you have notes by you and there's like graphics that come up on screen every once in a while and b-roll that comes up 
Whereas a TikTok or other short form video, it's more just you talking to the camera. And people, when they watch this sort of content, they don't want something that's super polished. The best performing content is that which seems super authentic and vulnerable. And naturally, we're not going to enjoy putting ourselves out there and being authentic and vulnerable, um, even if that is what's going to drive that relatability factor and really build that brand trust on these in this genre. What's interesting too, and I totally agree with you, you know, and when you say uh, you don't want it to be super polished, but what's interesting to me, a lot of the creators, um, they're not super polished, but they certainly use um, all the technology they have, you know, available. I mean, I'll give you an example right now. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm super polished, but I got a light here. I got a light there. I got a backlit over here. You know what I'm saying? So I'm certainly using all the tools at my uh, disposal to maybe not look polished, but to still look as good as possible to, to come across in the way I want to come across. Now, I do want to mention, um, Angela, you said that very nicely. Um, on YouTube, sometimes companies just sit down and they, they talk at the camera. And honestly, people need to stop doing that too, because talking head videos, other than us having a fun conversation, it's just ugh, boring, usually. Not always, but sometimes, many times. Now, when you um, you focus on writing a lot, when we talk about short form videos, how important is writing and how does writing look like when it comes to that kind of content asset? Yeah, so it's very similar, I would say, almost to copywriting in a lot of ways, because in copywriting, you're trying to get someone's attention really fast and convince them to take a certain action and when I look at short form videos, it's a lot of times the same way. So it's kind of, you need to get someone's attention. You, you can't sometimes, for example, in YouTube videos or live streams, you can have an intro, you can explain who you are. And on the short form content, you don't have as much time to do that. And usually saying, welcome back to my TikTok or welcome back to my Instagram. Like, here's what we're going to talk about today is not going to wow on those platforms. So you really have to pay attention to how can I write something that's going to grab someone's attention and a really good, quick and easy um, rule of thumb with that is videos that use the word you in the first three seconds, short form videos are more likely to resonate with users because we're all in it at the end of the day for ourselves. So if you can relate it back to the audience right away, that's a really great strategy. And it's also one of the main principles of copywriting. So it really is a very targeted, short way to communicate your message. And in that sort of platform, even though I don't think everyone always realizes it, having really effective writing is super important. So the you is, I mean, that's like from my nonprofit world days, you know, <laughs> it's here's how you can help your community. Here's how you, 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 you. And of course, some people can overdo that. So while you were talking about that, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, how, so first of all, many of my short firm video content is not, I'm not saying anything anyways, right? It's like a trending sound or something like that, but help me out here. So if I need to get the word you into a live stream or, or into a short form video clip, like, what would I say? Um, it's so good to see you. No, I mean, that doesn't really, that's not it, but you know what I'm saying? Like what, like, give me some examples of how I could achieve that. Yeah. And so I think that there's a couple, obviously you could just have it written maybe on the screen if it's like a trending sound. So like 
here's what you're doing wrong in your business or here is what you need to do to be successful. So anytime, and the you rule, well, it is great to use you. I can see your point definitely if you don't always want to use it, but to me, it more so means how can I relate this in the first three seconds to my audience? So instead of going on about why, for example, your live stream's fantastic and everyone should tune in, instead really get to the benefits of like, you need to listen to this live stream because of X, Y, and Z. So even like, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Then you need to listen to X, Y, and Z or something like that. So really just creating that benefit and making sure that it's focused on the audience and not on yourself or on some like third person entity um, is really important in this space. Some third person entity. That drives me crazy <laughs> when brands talk about themselves yeah. in the third person um, I don't know why that's holding on. Honestly, it's 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 been way too long that that uh, used to be acceptable. But whatever, I don't make the rules. Um, so when we talk about short form video, is it mostly? I know we talked about TikTok, Instagram Reels. I've also had some success with YouTube Shorts, um, and basically for for my purposes, when I tested it, they really were just Instagram Reels and TikToks. I mean, really the same content, but you know, a, a ton of views. I think there was at one time five videos or six or something, like 20,000 views altogether. So I thought that worked pretty well. Um, are those the most, the, the majority of examples of short form video or like does video blogging count into this or like give, give me some examples if you can. Yeah. So I think um, that's kind of, especially within I think especially within people who work in the digital marketing space, if they say short form videos, they're usually referring to those vertical videos, not necessarily like shorter video blogs that are like horizontal um, and maybe slightly longer. But I also think that these can be repurposed almost anywhere. So like I've seen um, Christoph, you post them on LinkedIn and it's really effective to even repost them on LinkedIn. I personally, for my clients, will repost them on Pinterest, um, obviously TikTok and Instagram, and then also YouTube Shorts. Um, I don't think you need to reinvent the wheel and necessarily have like a different video for each platform, work smarter, not harder. But I also think if uh, you're really overwhelmed and you're just getting into short form video content, it's okay to just focus on one platform where you feel really comfortable. And then once you've kind of mastered that platform or started to gain some traction, then you can start repurposing it on TikTok or on Pinterest because even just repurposing it can take some time. Well, I mean, everything takes time. And I think that's sometimes what, what people forget about, especially executives. Oh, we should just do this and this and this. And that's fine. But there's always a time element involved, right? Because you have to um, download. I mean, even if I do an Instagram reel and I push it to TikTok, which I know you're not supposed to do, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, I got to make decisions. I still have to download it. Then I have to re-upload it. Then I have to copy and paste the text in there. Um, you know, so there's always some work involved for sure. Um, so we talk about the 16 by 9. I mean, have you seen... So I did see a job description, I thought, maybe a few months ago. And, and they were talking about they needed a video editor who specializes in turning um, horizontal videos into vertical videos which seemed to me like like now we're talking about real specialization. Uh, I mean, what is that problem that brands are facing when it comes to <clears throat> they have horizontal videos, but they need vertical ones? 
Yeah, I think honestly, it's smart, especially if you're a brand that doesn't necessarily have the time or the budget to have someone on camera for short form. Um, the one thing I always advise my clients on if they're going to do that is make sure then that your YouTube videos has a lot of space around you so that it's easy to crop vertically and that you in your entirety are still in the photo instead of maybe just half of your face is in the photo when it's in that 16 by 9 um, like frame. And then another thing when it comes to video editing for the short form video um, is that if you want to get around like the idea of free downloading reels onto TikTok um, and vice versa, there's an app I use for free called CapCut and you can actually just edit it in there and then export it individually to each platform. So it doesn't have the like watermark or any sort of tracking from one platform to the other. And that also gives you more capabilities. For example, if you yourself want to take vertical video and turn it into a 16 by nine, or if you want to add more graphics or add different texts than the platforms give you. So it's a really interesting way to approach it. And I think as short form video becomes a little bit more developed than it is right now, we're going to start seeing more roles like that open up where it's someone who's just editing for short form content. You know, unless I work for a really, really big company, I'm always very hesitant to put people into that tight of a box because so, if, you know, I mean, no, who, what's next? You know, maybe it's, I don't know, 12 by 8 video or, you know what I mean? Or something and, and same skills apply, right? But really what you're looking for is a video editor. You're not looking for a um, horizontal to vertical video editor, but, but, but I get there. I get there what they're trying to do. Now, what's interesting to me, Angela, and of course, people always try to put everybody in boxes, right? Like, uh, so I've had people say to me, well, he's a blog writer. I'm not a blog writer. And then sometimes the people who know, me, I mean, I write plenty of blogs, but I'm not a blog writer. And then sometimes the people that know me from my, from the show, they'll say he's a podcast or he's a live streamer. So it always like, all, people always try to figure out like what box does the dude go into? Now you are listed as a freelance writer and social media manager, but yet we're talking about the power of short form video. Like you're not listed as video storytelling expert. So talk to me about that evolution or whatever you want to call it from writing to social media and then, you know, video especially. Why is that uh, all part of your repertoire? Yeah. So I actually think video came first. So I actually work as a content creator as well. So I create bookish content and partner with some of the publishing houses when new books come out um, to create TikToks and Instagram reels. So that's kind of where I got my start was actually working on my own social media account. And then I really liked it. And I was, I had a degree in professional writing and rhetoric. My first job out of college was in writing. Um, so I had that background as well. And Doing social media in a lot of ways allowed me to combine my video skills and my writing skills. I really don't think social media managers get enough credit because it really is one of the most versatile jobs in marketing and one of the most stressful jobs in marketing because people have very unrealistic expectations for the amount of work you can do um, and for the results that they can get in the short amount of time. So social media managers, I think, are fantastic. Um, because it is one of those jobs where you have to learn how to do so many different things. And then while I was working on social media management for my clients, I also started doing some email marketing and writing work. And that worked to me. I'm also super passionate about it. Um, 
and it's what my original, I guess, training was in. And I really don't think, like you said, email marketing or even blogs and like more traditional SEO versus video SEO, I think it's all still alive and thriving and that you really have to understand more holistically how short form video can then lead people to getting on your email list, to reading something longer that you wrote and how it all kind of works together. And I'm very fortunate in what I do that I've had kind of that ability to see how all the different facets of marketing can work together instead of trying to compete for, should we spend more time on X or should we spend more time on Y? And it really just, they can all work together. They don't have to be in competition. Yeah. And I think the the whole thing about things being integrated makes everything so much easier, right? I mean, if we're just focusing on video, I mean, that can be, um, I, I think the the expectation of something to perform is so much higher when you only do one thing, right? But if I take one short form video and I post it on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube shorts and maybe on LinkedIn and maybe on Twitter, um, if only if one of them takes off and the others are so-so, it still feels good, right? But if I spend two weeks producing a TikTok video because I, I had to hire a, a firm or whatever, you know, which that's crazy too, then of course the, the expectation of something to perform is uh, much higher. Um, what? How do we know that it's working? How do we know that short form video storytelling is indeed working? Like how do how do you how do you track that? Yeah, so I actually track it differently depending on what someone someone's end goal is. So, for example, some of my clients when they come to me, they want to drive more sales, and some of my other clients they want to come to me and grow a larger audience that they can like pitch traditional publishers or pitch a little bit larger like opportunities where you need a platform. So for both of those, I would be looking at very different metrics. So obviously if you're trying to grow an audience, you want to look at followers, but also, and in my opinion, a little bit more importantly, you also want to be looking at engagement because if people are engaged, naturally the platforms are going to shoot your content out to more people. So you really want to make sure that you're getting those likes, those comments that people are actually engaged and not just passively viewing your content. Um, if you're more focused on sales with those clients, I focus more on how can we direct these engaged followers back into the funnel. So how can we direct them to places where they're more likely to purchase, such as the website or blogs or email? Um, so it really just depends on what your goal is. And I always say having the biggest audience isn't the thing that's always going to drive your business. And having a community versus tons of followers is way more important for any business trying to build a brand. Um, so the answer, as always, is and should be, it depends on your goal. And of course, everybody wants to have sales. But some of these strategies, they're not an immediate sales strategy, right? So just something to keep in mind. I mean, when you look at even at SEO and, and other things, you know, they're pretty long term and they work if you do them well, but they're not going to drive, you know, uh, 30% of your leads tomorrow. Um, so how do you manage that when you work with uh, teams? Um, how do you explain, you know, what they should uh, focus on and, and how long will it take to, to see some of those results? Yeah. So I think the first thing I do is I always get, I always ask in like a call for prospective client, like what is your end goal? 
And then I look at how can we measure if that end goal is being met. Um, so then I think of like the different metrics that relate to their specific goal and really tailor those metrics. But then I also make sure that we're setting reasonable expectations because like you said, none of these strategies are going to be driving millions in overnight sales um, or millions in followers overnight. And that's a really unrealistic expectation to have, um, which is again, why I focus more on the community building, because even if you did have, so for example, my first TikTok account I ever created, the first video I ever posted got like 4 million views, but the account was not optimized for people to even be to know what I was posting about. It wasn't really optimized to send people back to a website or an email list or anywhere, which was fine because it was just for fun to talk about books. But if you're a brand, that actually is not an ideal scenario for you because you want to make sure that you have a system set in place so that users understand how they can kind of go through this user experience of getting to know your brand. And like you said, it's really important to keep in mind that they're not going to get to know your brand and be like seeing your content and then purchasing the next day, it's going to be a little bit more of a slow journey. And that's actually healthy because that's how you create more authentic community. Yeah, absolutely. And so in the last minute here or so, Angela, tell us, how do people reach you? How do they work with you? What would they, um, what's your specialty, obviously video um, and integrated uh, content, but but uh, in your own words, tell us what what would they reach out for and, and how do they reach out? Yeah, so you can reach out on LinkedIn when it comes to my professional services. I also have a website, AngelaMyersCreative.com, and that's M-Y-E-R-S. Um, there's a couple of ways to spell Myers. Um, Angela Myers Creative, one of our like superpowers, I guess, as a marketing agency, is really looking at how to meet business goals and marketing goals holistically. So we really focus on creating everything from a short form video content to long form video content or email marketing and helping people develop that holistic strategy for their business. Um, if you're interested in books and reading, you can find me at Angela Ann Reads on Instagram, Pinterest, or TikTok. Fantastic. Angela, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing your tips. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.